It's good to be with you. It's good to worship with you this morning. Thank you for those who have taken part. And uh, thank you, Philip, for leading out there with the announcements. Um, really appreciate that. Well, we're going to turn, we're going to open up our Bibles this morning to Ephesians chapter 6. And we want to continue here in, our, in the book of Ephesians. We come to the, ver- the first part of chapter 6, which is a, is a very controversial subject in today's world. It's not. There are no questions in the scriptures about this. It's clear. It's uh, repeated many times. And, but at the same time in today's world... We live in a time just like it's been many times throughout the history of man where we have downgraded our belief system of God and therefore we embrace a lesser view of ourselves. And so I say a lesser view and that means a place that God has not given us, meaning that we often try to bring ourselves up and let's... Let's uh, let's read verses in chapter six here. I want to want to read verses one through four. Probably will not get through this passage, but uh, want to read verses one through four. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we ask of you this morning, we thank you for, first of all, for your blessings upon us. We thank you this morning for the worship that you have brought us into of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that all of heaven is worshiping him this morning. And yet, Lord, you allow us by your grace through the work of Christ to taste a little bit of that here on earth. Father, would you grant us yet to worship deeper, more deeply, more completely, more fully as we look at your word and what you have said and what you have declared, what you desire for us that we would look to you for grace in this time, open our minds and our hearts to your truth, and keep us, Lord, from anything that would hinder your word in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, needless to say, we live in a culture where God's, the gospel is hated openly. Uh, it's openly scorned, and it's, uh, and it's ignored we live in a culture <clears throat> that has all the signs of God's judgment upon us. And it is in large, in, in, in many ways, we see this because of the direct disobedience to this passage. And that disobedience to this passage doesn't start with this, with this place, this time, this generation. But there is a groundwork that's been laid there's a, 
There's a backdrop. There's a reason why we are where we are today. Let's, let's not fail to look at the fact that God addresses not only what we see at the face, but what's behind in the heart and what goes to the foundations of his truth. In fact, we will, before we begin as an introduction, I want to, to look at Romans chapter 1. In Romans 1, there's, there's a few verses that I want to read here, uh, beginning in verse 28. And he's talking about the, prog- the, reg- the progression of sin, which is a downward progression. It's a, it's a regression, really. He talks about how that people kept pressing on in their uncleanness. They hid they suppressed the truth. They hid it. They distorted it. They twisted it, pushed it down. They pushed it down in unrighteousness. They knew the truth. They're born with an understanding of God. They have a certain understanding that they, uh, they know there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a certain part of God that he has revealed to each person. But they suppress that in their wickedness. Well, let's go to verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who know the righteous judgment of God and that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. When we see these things, we must understand that Verse 28 says that even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over. When this is such a, a, a rampant, such a normal thing for, for there to be disobedient to parents, that's in verse 30. It goes right along with the proud, with the boasters, the inventors of evil things. It goes along with the undiscerning. It goes along with the untrustworthy, the unloving. And it's serious in the sight of God. This is, this is God pouring out His judgment because the Scriptures say that when there is no fear of God before their eyes, that means that there is no respect for what God has set up. And one of the things that we know God has set up is the home and that he has given parents the responsibility to, per, to raise their children and he calls children to obey their parents in the Lord. This disobedience to parents is not a new thing. I'm going to read a, 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 a quote from a very famous man and I want you to think about when you think this was written and possibly who may have, writ, have written this. Here's what he says. The children now love luxury. They have bad manners, 
Contempt for authority. They show disrespect for elders and love chatter in the place of exercise. Children are now tyrants, not the servants of their households. They no longer rise when elders enter the room. How long ago was that written? Does anybody know? Just by listening. You know who wrote it? Let me tell you. It was Socrates. I thought it would be somebody in the last hundred years. But 469 to 399 B.C. So what we're addressing here is not a new problem. But we continue to flounder as, hu- as a human race in the old problem, in the old things. It has been a problem since the fall of man. So let us this morning open our hearts to God's word and let's receive what he has to say to us. The title of this message is The Gospel in Our Homes. The Gospel in Our Homes. And brothers and sisters, this is the foundation of all civilization is our homes. And you want to spread the gospel, the first place is that the gospel spread in our homes. When the gospel is made known in our homes, we have touched the foundation of our civilization. And would to God that the gospel comes to every home. So let's, let's, let's look at what he has to say. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. What does it mean to obey? Do any of your children under the age of 12 want to give me an idea of what it means to obey? Do what you're told to do. Thank you. That's a very good answer. And that is exactly what God wants us to do when he tells us something. But you know, it's something that he also tells us that we are to do when our parents tell us something. That we are to do what we are told. Now, there's something that has to happen first. In order to obey, you have to hear. And in order to hear, there must be a desire to hear. Now, how many times do you hear things that your dad and mom say, but it does what? What do we call that? goes in one ear and goes out the other, meaning nothing stuck. Nothing was comprehended. So God says this about his people as well. We go to Deuteronomy 5, verse 1. We're not going to turn there, but I'm going to quote it for you or read it for you here. And Moses called all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your hearing today, that you may learn them and be careful to observe them. Now, why did he want want them to hear? He wanted them to hear so that they would learn and so that they would obey. You see, we must, we've been given a brain, a mind, so that we 
not only hear, but we learn. We grasp something. We, 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 we contain what is being said. God doesn't just give us an empty command, but he gives us a concept, something to grab a hold of, and he says, I want you to do this. He says, the statutes and judgments which I'm speaking to in your hearing today, these things I'm giving you. He says, I want you to learn them so that you may observe them and be careful to do them. That means that you remember. How many times did my dad tell me three things he wanted done? And he used to tell me this, but he was a good dad and he worked on me on this. And I would get one Maybe two done, but the third one I would forget. God wants us to be careful to not do that with him. He wants us to remember to do all the things that he says. Before Israel could do it, they had to pay attention. And this word here in this passage is the word samach. Samach means to stand at attention. To hear with your full attention given to the person that's speaking. The person that's speaking here is God speaking through Moses. So before they could do what God said, they had to hear and they had to hear paying attention to what he was saying. Because if you only hear, you and I, we only hear halfway. Well, while we're distracted by something else. You won't obey as God wants you to obey. How many of you have ever talked to somebody while they're doing something on their phone? They, they don't get what you said. They'll go, huh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear what you said. If you do that with God, you will not get what his word has to say, and you won't obey it. That's exactly what God is saying. I want you to hear. I want you to hear what he is ready to tell us. He wants his children to pay full attention so that when they are hearing and paying full attention to what he is saying, that they will remember all of it when they are doing it. This is how children are to listen to their parents. Listening to your parents' children with your full attention is what God is asking for you to do this morning. When your, when your parents ask you to do something, Listen, pay attention. It's part of obedience. It's part of what it means to obey. Well, secondly, it's not just listening, but it's doing what they say. You know, doing is important because doing is what we're created to do. God has given us the ability to do something. So he asks us to do what he tells us to do. In fact, Jesus, Jesus made a point of this and said that it's very important to do what we are told to do by God, first of all. Not only that, but it's important to do what our parents tell us to do as children. We're going to hold our finger here in Ephesians. I want to go to Luke 8. Luke chapter 8 for a cross-reference. In Luke 8, Jesus is here. He, is, he has people around him, and he's teaching these people, and he's teaching them about the kingdom of God. But beginning in verse 19, 
he's been well he's been teaching them through parables he's been teaching he's been and he's got people around him listening so in verse 19 then his mother and his brothers come to him but could not approach him because of the crowd and it was told him by some who said your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you but he answering answered and said to them my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Now it happened on a, on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. They came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. But he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled and said to one another, Who can this, who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Now, we notice that first, the first part of this, he is here, and he's crowded around. His mother and his brothers come to the crowd, and they're trying to get into him, but they can't reach him. There's too many people. They're pressed around him. And the people in the crowd are saying, your, your mother and your brothers are, are outside trying to reach you, trying to get into you, to, to talk with you. Well, Jesus here says something that's rather unusual, and if we didn't pay attention, we would think that, well, it's, it's somewhat insulting to his mother's and, mother and his brothers. But he was not insulting his mother and his brothers. He says, the ones that are my mother, my brothers, my family, my closest ones to me, are those who hear the word of God and, somebody finish it. And do it, thank you. They hear the word of God, and they do it. This is, this is what he is saying that is, is more important than even family. That obedience to God is of greater value and importance than even the relationship he had with his mother and his brothers. Because his relationship with his mother and brothers, though it was a a great thing, and it was given, given to him by God. He was placed there by God. His, his obedience, their obedience to God was only done as them being a part of a bigger family, a greater family, a more important family, the family of God. The bonds of the heavenly family are much greater than the bonds of our earthly families. God has made so that the spiritual family in Christ Jesus is closer. It's deeper. It, it, it goes from heaven to earth. There's a sense in which once, once a person leaves this earth, they, they pass away. They're not a part here in our family anymore. You know, I've lost three grandparents. They were very dear to me. But they're not here with us anymore. We get together for a family reunion and they're not there. 
And, and it's because that they cannot be here. They passed on. And so this, Jesus is saying this is, this is more important. This is eternal. This has to do with our spiritual relationship. He says this is greater and of more importance than even earthly family ties. Go to verse 24 here in this passage. So they, they've gotten out into the water now, and, they've, and the winds and the waves come up, and, and, the, and, the, and the ship is being overflowed with water. And what does Jesus do? He rebukes the wind and the waves, and immediately everything's calm. That's what it means to obey. They understood obedience at a whole new level. They understood something about Jesus that was more terrifying than the winds and the waves. They understood that he has the power over the winds and the waves to call them down. This, my friends is because all creation is completely submitted to Christ. He, he holds it all in his hand. We learn from this passage that this is what obedience looks like. When he, though the winds, there was a wind that was just driving the water. And it was just driving it over into the boat. And, and we would say there's nothing we can do about that. And it's right. The sailors were experienced sailors and they were afraid for their lives. But Jesus, Jesus is able to rebuke the forces of nature here and to turn back the violence of the wind from off the water so that the water becomes calm. I believe, friends, that this kind of obedience is the obedience of heaven he says the angels are there ministers of his they do his will i don't believe there's any arguing back this wind and these waves didn't argue with him they didn't say well I, let me let me finish blowing this boat over and then we'll stop they didn't say well let's you know you know they didn't have any other agenda they follow the word of Christ. I realize that we have eternal souls and that there are, we also have a fallen flesh to deal with. I understand that. But we see from this what obedience looks like and what it is, is uh, what it should be. Secondly, thirdly, not only is it to do what is commanded, but it is to submit to God-given authority. Obedience here is to submit. Along with this word, obey, comes submission. That means that you give yourself over to the will and to the desires of the one who's, who's in authority. This word authority has, been, has often a bad taste in people's mouths. But if we break it down a little bit, it kind of takes away a bit of the, the, the man-centeredness of it. Authority 
has the word author in it. You see that word author in it. You break it down, it, it has to do with who gave this order, who gave this command. And this comes from, this, if, the, if we ask who's in authority here, we ask who's given this command or who's written this word. And the word authority really means that God, if it's God has given the authority, if the authority is God's, then he has written it down this way, and this is how he wants it done. And so we are simply to do what he says. But let's turn to 1 Peter 3 and verses 5 to 6. I want to read uh, a passage here of a phenomenal woman, a woman who was, uh, who was looked up to and admired for her uh, submission. Because submission is a very real part of obedience. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Now Sarah here is... First of all, it says that she is one of those who was, was submissive to her husband. But because of that submission, because of that attitude of the heart, she obeyed Abraham. Now, she trusted God in order to do this. Notice in verse 5, she trusted, they trusted God. Men, women who trusted God also adorned themselves being submissive to their own husbands. I realize I'm cutting in on this passage, but what I wanted to look at was, was the fact that Abraham wasn't a perfect man by any means. And Abraham literally stepped out of his place and put, was not the protector at times that he should have been, was not the person that she uh, should, have, should have been able to trust in or depend on or was trustworthy that he was trustworthy. But who did she trust? It says she trusted God. Brothers and sisters, when we're called to obedience, we're called not only to hear, but we're called to do, and we're called to submit trusting God. That really is the call for all of us. That we are called to Put our faith in God because this is bigger than me. It doesn't mean that we participate in sin. It doesn't mean that we go down the road of unrighteousness to do this. But Sarah's faith was not just in her head, Abraham, but in her ultimate head. In the one who was over Abraham. In the one who oversaw the one that was over her. And children, your parents are not going to be perfect. Your parents are going to sin at times. They've got they're, they faults and weaknesses. But you know what? There's somebody that's over them. There's somebody that's put them there in your life. There's someone who's ordained or directed for you to be under them in your home. And therefore, he asks you to submit to them. And to obey them, trusting God. Trusting 
God. God is the one who is bigger than our homes. And so if we're going to obey him, we're going to obey our parents, we're going to have to trust someone bigger than us and even bigger than our parents. Okay, let's, let's move on. I want to ask you this morning, children, is this how you relate to your parents? Do you listen with full attention? Do you do what they ask of you? Do you submit yourself to their leadership in your life, their headship over you, as God's design for you? See, it's, it's one thing for us to look out here and say, well, this is the way God wants it. But you know, it's something else when I have to say, this is what God wants for me. This is what God says to me. This is what I should be doing. And so as we think about this, let's, let's remember it's not about us. It's not about, even all about our parents. It's about God. It's about God. And that's what we're here for. So, that's the three points of obedience. Now, let's, notice he finishes this verse by saying, For this is right. For this is right. What does he mean by that? Colossians 3 verse 20 says, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Things that are right are the things that God sets forth. Things that He is pleased with. He sets forth the things that are right. He's pleased with the things that are right. So, for you to obey is right with God. Now let's, let's turn to Proverbs 2, and there's something a little deeper here that I want to look at. Proverbs 2, in verses 1 through 5. Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 5. And we read this. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hid treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of of God. We'll read verse 6 yet. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Well, let's look at this for just a minute. Notice he says, My son, if you receive my words, this is a father telling his son, Son, if you'll just take my words and you will treasure what I'm telling you up into your heart. The things, this, the instruction I'm, command, I'm giving you, the teaching I'm giving you, what I'm trying to lead you in. If you'll just treasure this up in your heart. Obviously, this was Solomon, and David was teaching his son Solomon. And David is saying, if you will do this, so that you will hear. Notice we have that word hearing again, that incline your ear, you'll You'll be listening for what dad has to say. 
what mom has to say. You'll be paying attention when they talk. You will be going after it. And that's the idea. You will go after it. If you will put yourself to going after the truth, going after the wisdom that's there, pursuing it with your whole heart so that you'll be listening when they talk and that you will apply, that you will put your heart to understand. You'll, you'll put forth everything you can to understand. What happens when you don't understand the game you're playing, children? You try to figure it out, don't you? you get a new board game. You don't know what it's, what, it's, what it's all about. You try to figure it out, don't you? That's what he says we should do with wisdom. We should be trying to figure it out. We should be trying to listen. We should be trying to learn. There should be something in our heart that's open that says, I want to know. I want to know because God wants me to know. Let's, let's look a little deeper. And if you will lift up your voice for understanding, that means if you start asking, what do you mean by this, God? What are you trying to say? Or you go to your father, how can I do this better? Or what should I be doing here? Or how should I do this better? What happens when you start to do something, you start a project, and it just goes wrong for you? You know, I used to do, I know what I used to do, and I know what my boys used to do. They come to dad and say, Dad, I, what do I do here? How can I fix this? You're going to make mistakes in life, children. You're going to find yourself on the wrong end of things sometimes. But God says, I want you to lift up your voice and ask. Ask for understanding. Most of all, ask God for understanding. And he's giving your parents to you to help you with that understanding. He says, if you will seek for her as silver, and you will search for her as for hidden treasures. If there was a pot of silver out here somewhere, and it was hidden. How many of you be getting your heads together today to try to find it? You know, you be taking every clue you could find. You be uncovering everything you could, you could get to, to try to find that pot of silver. Well, he says, if that's the way you'll approach the truth of God's word, and that's the way you'll approach wisdom that comes from your parents, if that's how you will go after the truth, friends, he says, then you will understand the fear of the Lord or reverence of the Lord. You'll understand what it means to walk with God. And you'll find, you'll understand what it means. You'll find knowledge of Him. Because that's where God is leading you. That's where He wants you to be. He wants us all to be at this place. And so he says, children, this is for you. Start at a young age. And don't quit. Start when you're young. And, and don't let this world distract you from it. If you can't get 
the wisdom of God, when you, when you are where you're at now, you've lost the best opportunity you have. The older we get, the less we retain. The older we get, the harder it is to change our ways. Wisdom is for you right now. Wisdom is for you in this place. And that's why he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord because it's right. Now, in Hosea 14, Hosea 14, verses 8 and 9. And this is after Israel is already in sin. They're in trouble with God. God's already telling them, I'm going to destroy you. And Hosea is prophesying to them about what God has told him about Israel. In verse 8, Ephraim shall say, What have I to do any more with idols? I have heard and observed him. I am like a green cypress tree. Your fruit is found in me. Who is wise? Let them understand these things. Who is prudent? Let him know. For the ways of the Lord are right. The, the righteous walk in them, but transgressors stumble in them. This is a little bit difficult to understand. And what he's been saying is Ephraim's been involved in idolatry. They've been worshiping idols. They've been going down the wrong road. But he's saying they're going to come to a point where they say, what am I got to do anymore with these idols? Because I have heard and observed the Lord, him. He says, I'm like a green cypress tree and your fruit is found in me. In other words, God has been doing something in my heart. And I'm not paying, I don't need to pay any attention to these idols any longer. You see, this, this obedience, it calls and enables us to forsake the evil and transgression of our past. This obedience will, this, this kind of obedience that God is calling for from us is something that is right because God has given it and it's His way. The righteous walk in them because they have God working within them and, these bear, and they're bearing His fruit. Transgressors stumble because the root of the matter is not in them. They don't have His truth in their heart. Remember how that proverb says, if you will apply your heart to understanding? You see, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when we apply our heart to know wisdom and to obey our parents and to do what He has called us to do, then it provides for us a spring, a wellspring that comes out and affects all of our lives. You see someone, you see a child who is obedient to their parents and you see something right there. There's something that you know. When you see it, there's something right going on there. Brothers and sisters, I, I want to thank you because I see a lot of right things going on here. And, and children, I want to thank you because I see many of you just being obedient to your parents. And I want to encourage that because this is God's way. 
This is how God does things. You know, you, you don't have to go into the store very long before, you know, some child has walked past or the, 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 the candy shelf and is throwing a fit because parents won't give them candy. And what ends up happening? Parents go back and give them candy just to make them quiet. And, and it doesn't really make them quiet. It doesn't fix the issue. It doesn't make the problem better. Jesus, God is saying to us here, if the gospel is going to come to our home, it's going to come into our hearts. We're going to obey the truth because our hearts are set on the truth. There's a foundation of truth being planted here, and it's growing, and we're walking in it. Now, notice that this obedience is to be in the Lord. It's in the Lord. And this qualifies the, and, and keeps the fathers and mothers from being tyrants over their children. It is to be according to the word and will of God. In fact, I'm going to read to you a quote that, uh, yes, they, the parents are the means God gives for obedience, but this obedience is to be in the Lord. It is not to advocate for the parents when they are asking their children to disobey the commands of God. When they do that, they lose their right to be obeyed. I'm going to read a quote from Thomas Watson back in the 1600s, and here's what he says. But those children must obey their parents in all things, and that's what Colossians 3.20 says, in all things. It is with the limitation of things just and honest. Obey in the Lord, that is, so far as the commands of parents agree with God's commands. If they command against God, they lose their right of being obeyed. In this case, we must unchild ourselves. That's Thomas Watson. That's kind of interesting, but what he is simply saying is if, if, if an unbelieving parent asks their child to do something against God, the child must then submit themselves to God. God is over the parents. I know your parents here, children, and you don't have parents that are going to ask you to do things that are against God. And there are parents that, for their own selfishness and for their own sakes and for their own benefit, will require their children to do things against God. That is not God's will. And they will use this to try to manipulate their children to do things that are wrong. And I would just I would just I would just say that there is there are cases of abuse that this happens, but in the context of God's kingdom where his his people are walking with him, the parents' direction for their children, we're gonna get into what the fathers should be like, and we'll take that at another time. But it is it is that the children obey their parents in the Lord. We as children willing, willing to receive and embrace this, this wisdom of God that comes from our parents' instructions. Well, let's go to verse 2. Verse 1 was the, the act of obedience or the, the, yeah, the doing of obedience. Number 2, we have the heart of obedient children. 
the heart of obedient children. To honor father and mother. He says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. To honor father and mother means to revere, to have in honor, to hold in honor, to esteem them as superior and greater than yourself. In fact, this this commandment is something that we are to do all the days of our life as much as lies within us. We are called to honor our fathers and mothers. This honor will be given to our parents when we truly love them as we ought. This is not divorced from a loving relationship. And many times we see parents that are that are brought to conviction because their children have, unbelieving parents, their their believing children have honored them and loved them and respected them as God says that they ought to. And it brings about a sense of, of conviction even to the unbelieving parents. And brothers and sisters, this is a testimony to the world. In general, children... As Socrates said, they don't honor their parents anymore. They don't esteem their parents as better and greater than themselves. To not honor our parents is to to not truly love them. In fact, I'm going to say this much. To honor and respect our parents is truly a testimony of our love for God. Let's turn to to Matthew 15. I want to quickly... Uh, read a few verses here. Matthew 15. And these are, again are the words of Jesus. He answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? And here he's talking to the Jews who were meticulous about keeping all the little outward details of the law. <clears throat> he said, For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and mother, And he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, whoever says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God. Then he need not offer his honor, his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And what he is simply saying is that you have here a father and mother who is in trouble financially. And they're they're struggling. They are older and they're, and they're, and they're, they're not able to work like they did at one time. And the children are disrespectful to them. They won't help them. They won't give them any aid. They won't honor them. That was what it meant to honor your parents. You, you, you be there for them when they're older and they cannot take care of themselves. And they said, well, uh, you know, whatever you would receive, I'm, I'm a gift of God. Uh, literally, I am... Whatever profit you would have from me is, is, is a gift to God, and because I'm a gift to God, 
Therefore, I can't be taken out in stone. Literally, when someone was dishonoring their parents or cursing their parents or disrespecting their parents in this way, they were wishing their parents as dead. That's what they were saying. And the law says you're to take these people out and you're to stone these rebellious children. You're to put them to death. I do not want children in my, God says, I do not want children in my people that are going to rebel against their parents and wish their parents dead. In this place, he says, you've taken the commandment of God. You've nullified it because you have a tradition about gifts from God. You see, to to honor and respect parents here literally comes down to where they're at with God. Notice what he says. These people draw near to me with their mouth. And they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. These people don't really love God. because, And it's evidenced by the fact that they don't love their parents. While the Jews were meticulous about keeping the law, they missed the real intent that God had by giving His law. And they took their traditions and allowed their children to disregard and disrespect their parents. And they elevated the children above the parents. Brothers and sisters, our attitude must always be that our parents are above us. Our parents are above us. They're superior to us. They're better than us. They're over us. Their rebellion against God's order is a rebellion against God himself. See, friends, if we're going to have a revival in this land... We're going to have a revival here. It's got to be a revival in the home. This is gone today's society. In fact, Jesus here is a perfect example of this in his life. In Luke 2. I'm going to read in verse 46. <clears throat> This is when they went to the feast, went to the feast, Jesus and his parents, and they were, they were celebrating the Passover, and Jesus got separated from his parents. And they had went a, a day's journey, and they missed him. So now they came back looking for him. So no, now so it was that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. He said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus is in an important theological discussion with the greatest theologians in the land. And he's asking questions and giving answers. And he's 12 years old. 
What could be more important than this? These are the doctors. These are the men who wrote the theological books. And he's in here discussing the truths of God's word with them. And we would say, Mary, why did you barge in on this? Why did you stop this? And she has a mother's heart. She said, why have you done this to us? We've been missing you for these three days. Jesus says that he was about his father's business. And if we look at this, so many we would, we would tend to say his father's business had to be more important. Had to be. There's no way around this. This is God's business. This is God's son. This is speaking to the preachers and teachers of the land. Jesus didn't think it was more important. What did he do? He submitted himself to his parents. He was only 12 years old and he was able to speak with the greatest theologians in the land and ask them questions and give them answers. And he says, more important for me to go home and obey my mom and submit to my dad. In fact, in this, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature. I don't think that's just that he grew in, 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 his, exterior, in his body, but that he grew in the stature of his understanding. This is God's way. And Jesus exemplified it. He showed us that this is what he wants. And when we ask our children to obey us, and we expect them to obey us. And children, when your parents expect them, you to obey them, they're only asking of you what God asks of you. This is what God is wanting you to do. And this is what it means to honor your father and mother. He, went, he, he submitted himself to them even when his job of teaching was very important. This is what it means to honor father and mother. That while I am under their care, obedience to them is more important than my personal agenda. While I am under their care, obedience to my father and mother is more important than my personal agenda. Timing is important. When Jesus is an adult now and leaves the home, he still honors his parents. But he spends his life about his father's business. There's a time and a place that God may be putting things in your mind, children, and in your heart. But he calls you to obey your parents first. Obeying your parents, even though he's putting these things in your heart and in your mind, obeying your parents is the training ground. It's the teaching ground. It's the foundation for when you leave. Because when you leave, you will then be able to obey God. Honoring our fathers and mothers is learning how to honor and obey God. And when we learn how to honor our parents as children, it will enable us to honor God as adults.
we cannot, we cannot divorce that from this passage. It's right. It's the right thing to do. Honor and obedience has great reward. I don't have time to go into all this. I'm going to give you the scriptures. Proverbs 4, verses 10 to 13. Long and prosperous life in righteousness. It's the first commandment. It's the only commandment of the Ten Commandments that has a promise attached to it. He says, you're going into this land which I'm going to give you. He says, honor your father and mother, that it may be well with you, that you may fare well when you get into that land, that you may live long on the earth, which the Lord your God, in the land which the Lord your God shall give you. You see, children, your obedience today is not just for you and your parents today. Your obedience today is for the continuation of your life. It's not just about here and now. It's for the future. Because the people, the children that obeyed their parents in the Lord were the ones that obeyed God in His Word when they went into the, into the, into the land. Luke 2.52 this honor and obedience, the reward is a favor with God and man. Jesus increased in stature and in favor with God and man. Number three, and read Psalm 78. Read Psalm 78, and we'll get there next time, but it leaves a legacy of blessing for the next generation. The next generation will be blessed because you have learned how to obey your parents in the youth. The next generation has something to learn because you will pass on that infectious desire to know what God wants for your life. And I realize that many times we're dealing with imperfections here. We're dealing with parents and, and we're imperfect and our parents are imperfect and, we're, and, and, and the world is pushing things in on us. I understand that. But that doesn't change the Word of God. The Word of God still says that this is His way. And it hasn't, it hasn't went away. It hasn't diminished. It's here. Do we expect God... Do we expect obedience to God in our homes and churches this morning, folks? Is this something we really expect? Do we believe, are we in agreement with God's Word? This is essential to our lives as human beings. Children, this morning, have you thought about the things your parents have given you? The things they've taught you? And have you thanked them for it? Do you hear them this morning with your full attention and do you obey them properly, promptly, right away? Young people, are you submissive to your parents even when you disagree with them? Or even when they make mistakes? Sometimes parents are hard-headed, I understand. My children always says it's hard to raise good parents these days. <laughs> but I will say this, it doesn't change the will of God. God wants us to honor our parents. He wants us to love them and respect them. 
Do you respect them? Do you honor your parents like you want your children to honor you? It's going, what, you what you do is going to come back. What you do is going to come back. Can you honor them as God's appointed means of protection and leadership in your life? Let us hear what God's Word is saying to us this morning. Again, I say revival among God's people begins with revival in our hearts and shows up primarily with revival in our homes. If the home is empowered by the gospel, so will the church be. When the church is full of homes that live out the gospel, the culture around is influenced and changed. Let's make these truths our very own. Let's say with Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, how we need your word, how we need your grace, how we need the presence of your Holy Spirit, Lord, to live out what you have asked of us here. How we find ourselves lacking in so many things. And yet, Lord, you have mercy on us. You continue to show us that you are God and that you care about your people. So this morning I pray for each home in this congregation, Lord, that you would give us wisdom. Lord, make us obedient to your word that we may submit to the authority you have given us. So we want to glorify you, Lord. We want your gospel to be spread. It's not going to happen apart from the way you have said it will happen. And that is that your truth will be found in our homes. We love you, Lord. We thank you for what you have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.